Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, at least we do it Monday through Friday. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between rural and urban America. It's across the pond. Andrew Henderson is taking time to be with us this week, unlike last week. Jay Truett checking in. Looks like he's back home in southwest Missouri. What you going to fire up about that, Andrew, or what? No, I, I, listen, I, I, took, I shamelessly took a week off because it was my mother's 86th birthday. So uh, I'd make no apologies to anybody. Sorry, I, I had to yes, give an hour to my mother. There you go. And, uh, and so your she mom was. Is, and your mom is healthy, wise? Uh, She's healthy. healthy one out of three. One out of three. I'm going to say one out of three at the moment. That, yeah, that would be the wise part. Your mother's always wise. Well, she's, mm, yeah. she's had. I'll tell you what, COVID's really taken its toll on my mum in the sense that, um, you know, she's spending a lot of time in her room, which is very unfortunate. Yeah. Because of the lockdowns. So would, uh, uh, she was sick. She was still wealthy, though. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah, you asked me to give you an honest answer. That is re- fairly true. The only thing is that now uh, it may well start to cost a lot more for her care than it has been so far because of what they're trying to tell us to do. But that's a, another issue. Yeah. She was six years old on the day of infamy, Andrew. But that uh, was the well, 80 years ago yeah, she today, also Pearl Harbor was bombed. She also tells me very, very vividly, and she could still talk. I took her to Bomber Command, which is a a museum that's been set in Lincolnshire. That's where all the U.S. Air Force and and U.K. Air Force uh, did air raids on Germany, uh, France, and Italy. And uh, I took her there about four weeks ago. And what was very interesting, everything, that knowledge is still in my mum's head like it was yesterday. And she very clearly explained to me how she felt uh, during the Glasgow Blitz. That's when the Germans came over and bombed Glasgow to bits. She was about um, she was about six years of age, 1940, 41, when that happened. And she's never, ever forgotten that, you know, they all had to rush into the bomb shelters and, and many people died in the street that she lived in. So she has first-hand experience of war, real war. Yeah, it's just amazing how those minds work like that because things that happened 80 years ago, they, you know, my father was the same way before he passed Alzheimer's and he was 72. Uh, but they, those old memories are still there. It's the new ones that are, just can't come. But what an interesting way to share the story on the 80th anniversary of Pearl Harbor that your mom actually remembers events taking place around that time. I- did I tell you guys about the uh, the guy that won the Victoria Cross? I'm, I'm not sure whether I've done this, that, that I knew personally. A guy called William Reed. A Bill, he was known as Bill Reed. Did I ever tell you that story? The, the, the guy that um, worked for my father as a nutritionist. He was actually a, a poultry nutritionist. That Did I tell you, tell us. Yes, but that okay, doesn't well, matter. Tell us again. Um. Basically, he came to our house and my dad said to, to Bill, he bought me a Christmas present. He actually bought me a toy train, believe it or not. And apparently, 
I'm told that I took train out of the box and just sat in a box and played with the box all day. But that's just a bit about me, really. But um, he sat me down I, and explained what happened because I wanted to know how he won his Victoria Cross. And basically, it, it, the story goes like this, that um, there was, uh, he was in a bomber, a Lancaster bomber, and uh, he was the... I, I always thought he was the rear gunner. I've now read the story... Um, fully and he was actually the co-pilot he was the assistant pilot and basically what happens is um the pilot was um rendered uh, uh the plane was hit the pilot was rendered uh, unconscious so he had to take over the the, the plane he then looked round and saw that i think three or four of the people were dead in the plane and he had to fly the plane to the destination drop the bombs and then bring the plane back and uh, on the way back um, what actually happened was the plane had a fire on the wing, and so he put it on what can only be termed as autopilot in those days, and actually went out on the wing, put the flames out of the plane, and managed to get the plane back home after uh, unre- uh, releasing all the bombs. Now, he never realized what a hero he was, because he saved lives. Are you hearing me, Jay? I hear you. <clears throat> yes. Okay. <clears throat> Go ahead. No, 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 no. You're gonna have to go out and come back in. Okay. Go ahead, me now. No. No. Can't lose that story now. Let's do. A- That's an amazing story, though, right? Um, yeah. I mean, to crawl out of, put a fire out while it's uh, on the ground do it while you're in flight <laughs> it's something yeah well okay so he, he got back that's amazing uh, well wait a minute he got back and um he, he didn't realize that he was because he was i think he was he was with himself i got back and um, they you, you know say i think he saved three people i think you look up his his name's um uh, William Reed, so you can look him up. He's a VC of Victoria Cross. It's the same as the Pearl Heart in your in your in your um, uh, medal award because it's the highest accolade anybody can ever have. And anyway, the story is. But the I thought was the best bit of the story is to come. So he's recovering in hospital because he wasn't. I think he went unconscious and they put him in hospital. And all of a sudden, it wore the doors open, and he knew that it was really serious because uh, there was obviously a senior member of the forces there and somebody from the royal family. And uh, he thought immediately that something very serious had gone wrong and that he was going to be court-martialed. And the other problem we had was he was smoking a cigarette at the time. Uh, and so in order to sort of not get himself in any more trouble... He had a cigarette under the bed covers while they came and told him that he'd awarded the Victoria Cross. So how's that for a story? <laughs> well, here's the rest of the story. He saved the plane from burning because he crawled out there on the wing and put the fire out yeah. in midair. Yeah. But the hospital yeah. burned down because he put a smoking cigarette underneath yeah. his mattress and yeah. caught the bed on fire. Yeah. And had a very, a, had a very broad Scottish, nor, northern Scottish accent, and uh, he, you know, he told the story in a very, very matter-of-fact way that it didn't sound like uh, you know that he was a hero at all. It was 
That's what anybody would have done. His way of explaining was, this is what anybody would have done. Right. And that was uh, the measure of, of him like that, that he didn't actually realise that he was actually a massive hero yeah. and always will be, you know? But there you go. I thought that's, I think that's a great story. And it's, you know, it is it, 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 it's in folklore. And I was very honoured to meet somebody that gave his um, service in a way. Well, there's just so many people that did extraordinary things. And if you really dig in and start finding those stories, the untold stories, it, it yep. would be a, a lifetime endeavor. You, you could continue to find ordinary people who did extraordinary things to make huge differences. But while we've been on air, by the way, guys, there's been a, the reason why my, my, I went off air there was that I'm getting new updates here. I don't know whether you're aware, the third, uh, Austria is now in its third chancellor in, in as many weeks. Uh, there's a big scandal in Austria at the moment. You know the people are uprising against the, not just the vaccine mandate, they're about, well, were about to implement, implement uh, actually forced vaccinations on their citizens. And apparently three million out of their nine million people are not vaccinated yet. And we're about to enforce vaccinations. Well, they got rid of one chancellor, two chancellors, and the third chancellor, and I'm going to tell you a bit more later, but it looks as though they've dropped that policy. So the people are winning back there. Okay? There's a tremendous amount of history about William Ernest Reed, English World mm -hmm. War one fighter. Oh, that's a different one, huh? No, no, that's not. His is Bill Reed, and he's not not English. Oh. Just put Bill yeah. Reed, Victoria Cross. Well, okay, we'll get to the bottom of it. But there's another William Reed in the United States that was a World War II hero. It must be a popular name during the World War II era on this day of infamy. Jay Truett. Andrew Henderson trying to do the Protect the Harvest works nonstop at keeping you in the loop and networked with people that can help you stand up and fight for property rights because everything that we are talking about every single day revolves around the ability to take care of land and your own property as you see fit. And people think about property, they think about land only. It's about your thoughts. You can't even have your own thoughts anymore. That's your property. Protect the Harvest continues to find a way to help you keep your thoughts. ProtectTheHarvest.com. We're back with more Roll Route on this day of infamy after this. Welcome back. Roll Route. Trent Lewis alongside Jay Truett coming to us from Missouri. Not to be confused with Missouri. And Andrew Henderson in the UK. When did you get home, Jay? What did you get done while you were in D.C.? Did you go all the way to D.C.? Yeah, I went everywhere. I, I think I was in like uh, nine, uh, nine different places in a five-day stretch. Uh, so I gave a couple of speeches at places that were fun, a couple of meetings, and then doing my very best to try to uh, breathe life and reason into D.C. I, I quickly became exhausted of that attempt and uh, and just came home. Yeah. I got home uh, over the weekend. It was, 
Jay, is it true that, because we're here, I, I, I watch um, uh, the one or two reporters from um, Washington, D.C. online. Is it true that it is such a ghost town at the moment? Is that, is that, is that, is that, is that propaganda or is it actually true that it's very, very quiet? No, that's, that is pretty, but that's not that unusual for this time of year. Um, okay. Typically, okay. Uh, typically sometime from like uh, uh, the Thanksgiving week and the so after into uh, December, nobody's really in D.C. Uh, people try to go home and spend time with their families, rightfully so, right, and uh, enjoy some some time outside of Washington, D.C. I think it's like to do more often. I always always hear people say, you know what we need is members of Congress, them to be there and doing their job, etc. I say, no, no, no. Uh, we need them to spend as much time at home in the real world as we possibly can, come up, vote, and then hurry up and run back to where real people that they're being influenced more by them than, than the people in the swamp. But, um, you know, uh, actually, with all of that said, yeah, it's kind of a ghost town. Jay, I think that would be a wonderful statistic if they had to log their time spent in D.C. or in their home district so that you could get access to that information. Yeah. Um, yeah it, do they, do they, do they have to register that, that, that we're doing that would already do that? They, what, I was going to ask, do they have to register their interests as well, what their, what their other incomes are? We have to do that here, and that's causing quite a stir yeah. at the moment. Yeah, no, all investments and uh, and where their money is invested is there's a form that they fill out at the beginning of each Congress. So every two years, what they're invested in and, and et cetera. Most members use blind trust uh, for that, but a few don't, right? There's a handful that have access that they still have done, uh, et cetera. But it, I mean, right. the what. Okay. You can you can tell a difference. I've known members of Congress personally, right? Over time, you you, you have you become friends and friendly with some, um, and you can tell a difference in the in the ones that really live there but go visit district versus the ones that live in their district and visit there. Sure, I believe um, that one hundred percent. Does it does make a difference, right? right? Part, wow. part of the part okay. of the thing that would be skewed about so it's an interesting question you asked Trent. One of the things that's skewed though is that so you know for like a third of them, Washington D.C. is a day trip kind of thing, right? Right. Um, right. Almost literally a third of the Congress can kind of drive in and out in, in a day, and then for half of them, it's just an airplane ride in, and that just them living from um, at least on Monday night or Tuesday morning until Thursday night or Friday uh, sometime today. And then you got the California house and, and some of the places that are hard to fly to and fits better, a little better now because there's a lot more direct flight. If you're not in leadership uh, where you can you know, commandeer a, a teeth and have them fly forth like Nancy Pelosi does um, <clears throat> so just take take uh, uh, one of 
the outs California reps and and think about what their tra- travel trip is, you know, just to Washington, D.C. and back. There's a lot of weekends that uh, if you're in their district, it is that's a true hardcore believer, right? And and, and they are, they're taking some extraordinary steps to get back home because they can only spend about, you know, half at home and and they're having to plan on trying to fly back, you know, by the get. You know what? Uh, they should, so, should drive four hours to an airport. Go on, Trent. Jay, I, I would like for you to explain to us the redistricting, redistricting concept because clearly the new motive, the, the Democrats know that they are irritating everyone to no end and they're eliminating their chances of. Uh, maintaining control that they have so their their mo in trying to offset that is redistricting all of these areas so that they have different people voting in different blocks what i understand the basic yeah. concept of redistricting which is to make sure that you, your representatives continue to match where the population lives it seems like it's become a new uh, weapon in manipulating who represents who no, it is a weapon, and every 10 years, once the census is completed, um, then you're, you're, you're essentially forced to uh, redistrict your state based on whatever the population shifts have been and uh, uh, the, pop, the total population. So we have some states that are growing, and at the same time, you also have some states that have Across the population threshold, where being the member of Congress, and states like New York, which are losing members of Congress, okay, so, um, and that's that's been pretty steady. Um, that Cong- that New York, um, who used to, you know, be making it, even run with California, outran it uh, at one point, uh, but now nah, it's a weapon, right? But, but, but let's be honest. Uh, those states, not not every state, but in most states, the person who has the most influence over what happens with the uh, congressional redistricting is whoever controls the governor's house and two state house at the state level. And when when you have those in a blue, well, they can look at it and go, "Oh, well, well let's." Do what we do, right? When you have uh, Republicans running it, um, and it's a red, they tend to do the same thing. It's, it's not. Uh, and sadly, I think there's all kinds of deals cut on power sharing. A bunch of states where they just agree to make some somebody like. There's an agreement made. Uh, let's take uh, Missouri, where I'm at now. Um, we want to make sure that we protect. Uh, Corey Bush will give Corey Bush certain parts of town, and then we're around and we're going to uh, take uh, Ann Wagner and uh, we're going to carve out some little areas for her that fit her just as long as we all agree that Ann Wagner is not going to be over there stomping around in Corey Bush's neighborhood, and Corey Bush is not going to be uh, leading protests in Ann Wagner's neighborhood well then everybody gets to stay happy and there's a there's a moderate side of st 
Louis, and then there's a, a an other side of St. Louis, and they split it up that way. But you can really mess up if you turn around and get somebody like Jason Smith down. Well, he's a raw, hard, steady, conservative, no nonsense kind of guy out of the. But his district comes right against the southern boundaries of St. Louis. And so, uh, you know, if you want to create havoc for Ann, Ann Wagner, uh, or is she not playing in your Republican establishment, even though Republicans are running the state, what they do is carve out a, 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 some of her easy territory and give her some tough territory to have, have to campaign in. And, and lo and behold, she just appears in the next election. It happens all the time in ev almost every state across the country, except for those that just have one member of Congress, one one member of the House. Yeah. Well, with that, we're going to go to a break. Uh, they, we do, are, they do races, too. We'll continue to talk about redistricting, and I'll tell you why we are doing that. But first, I'll remind you about Lone Creek Cattle Company. It was quite ironic yesterday. Hank Vogler is on a hunt trip in Mexico, and after I shared the fact that Green Plains Cattlemen can be a part of the supply chain for Lone Creek Cattle Company and the certified Piedmontese system, Hank said, you know what? I got to Mexico, I turned on my TV, and my first ad I saw was a certified Piedmontese ad in Mexico, believe it or not, but it was in the resorts of the high-end part where people in the United States go to be in a resort. That's the bottom line. You want to capture more of the consumer's food dollar, be a part of the supply chain with certified Piedmontese. Get more details by going to the website, LoneCreekCattleCo.com. I'm talking about a premium in excess of $180 per head. Back with the second half of Rollout after this. Once again, LoneCreekCattleCo.com. Welcome back. Rollout, Trent Lewis alongside Jay Truett, Andrew Henderson, uh, or, Jay, I'm going to use another example, say, like California. If you had a Gavin Newsom, who's extremely left, and leaders of the assembly who are not really middle of the road, and you had a guy in the middle of your state, like Devin Nunes, who continued to be a thorn in the side of what they wanted to get done, you'd just go redraw the line so he oh, no yeah. longer had a place. Uh, yeah, listen, guys, can I... Can I, just jump, can I just jump in there? I just want to jump in because I listened to what I said um, very carefully. And i, I got to tell you, the similarities are so obvious to what happens here in the UK. We have exactly the same the census and then whoever controls um, the government at the time and the constituents of that government then are able to redraw the boundaries. And um, I think what this telling me, and, and I'm sorry to sort of, I am very concerned about this in the sense that, Jay, you're absolutely right, it depends whether it's red or blue as to where that line sort of moves each time, but the other thing is, it actually tells me that over the years, because of the money and what's involved, that really there isn't a lot of difference between um, the, the, the Democrats' and the Republicans who want to sponge off their their uh, their their title. And what I mean by that is that there isn't really proper policy. It's all about helping each other through 
uh, each each government, whether it's red or blue. There is no real difference between red or blue when it comes to Washington, D.C. That's what I'm concerned, for example, that, you know, you've got 60, I think it was 80, actually, Republicans who voted for all people's um, information to go on vaccine passport in your Congress the other day, that all that information is going to be given to the government to look at, to see what people have done with regards to vaccines. It tells me that there isn't real government anymore, that the Trump just looks after itself. It doesn't look after the people they're supposed to govern, and that's happening in the UK as well, right now. It seems to be happening all over Europe, and it seems to be happening with you in America. Do, do, do you both have a view on that? Uh, I, I'm 100% I'm in agreement. I basically just agree. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whatever Jay's going to say, I want, I want to say this, then Jay can just have the floor. I'm a conservative. I'm not a Republican. And while I tend to uh, favor the Republican candidates, I, I don't feel like as a conservative I'm represented at all because we've had massive growth in government since 1980. Well, actually, you could go back to like 18... 18- 71 or uh, 1781 whatever tra- number you want to transpose but the bottom line is that that the, so the reason that i don't feel i'm representative or as a result of that i try to get louder and make sure that i embrace the people that most closely align with me but you're you're spot yeah. on andrew there's nothing about that i can disagree with it's just that you have to be recognized that you are part of the we the people you get louder and try to find people that agree instead of just being more of the swamp the Republican Party is guilty as much of these atrocities as a Democrat Party. It's not just the Democrats are bad. Jay, I, I, I can't disagree really with anything that that said uh, from an operational standpoint for sure. The swamp. I mean, I mean, I the the my first realization when I came to DC uh, was about you know on day. Seven, uh, of my time time in Washington, D.C., I end up going to meet with some mid-level bureaucrat on what was some, what should have been a really simple and straightforward thing that needed to be resolved. Crap looked me in the eye and just said, no, we're not going to do that. Now, you know, if you if you say that, then we're going to have to go to the Hill and to uh, change the law. And they said we don't really care about that. We'll just wait them out. We'll uh, we'll we we're going to be here forever. Some of them will leave every two years, and uh, and we'll go on. Please. And that was my welcome see meeting, uh, as as far as bureaucrats are concerned. And it is what it is. Do you think? Do you think then, guys? That that's one of the. Think, sorry. Well, hang hang. Hang on, hang on, just yeah. one second. Let me make a follow-up point. I think I think one of the one of the worst conversations tend to have, honestly, is about term limits for members of Congress. And I would much prefer have term limits for the bureaucracy than I would for term limits for Congress. I think no. okay. one one would be much more, and and I know that stirs people up, but. Uh, absolutely. No, it's 100% well, can accurate. I, you see, what, what I'm actually saying to you both is that you, we all tend to be very parochial and talk about our own systems and how um, how it's evolved in America or, or how it's evolved in the UK. But I just said to you, parallels are 
are uncanny. And Trent earlier on said something that actually really has made go, hmm, that's actually not just a coincidence. When Pearl Harbor happened, when uh, you were attacked by the Japanese um, at Pearl Harbor, um, the world had come to a point where um, there wasn't stability anymore. There was frustration, there was uh, hatred, there was uh, division, there was all these things happening. And I can't remember in my lifetime more a more a time that's more like that than today. We are seeing uprisings in every single country in the world, virtually, right as we speak. I've never seen that. Neither of us, or none of us have ever seen that. And what I'm thinking is, maybe we are seeing this cycle that eventually, you know, the whole world it topples on one on one axis. That you know, we've had peace by and large for so long. Yes, there's been wars in in in, in small pockets over the years, but the actual control has been fairly static. But eventually, those in power get too much power, and that happened in the 1930s. It didn't just happen in Germany. Don't forget, it was happening in Russia. It was happening in Italy. It was happening, and I've seen the same thing. It's happening in Austria. It's happening in Germany. It's happening in France. It's happening in the UK. It's happening in America. We have totalitarianism regimes of the type we had in the 1920s and 30s happening right now. And I think we are at the precipice of something about to blow. I think we are seeing people say, this is totally, it doesn't work, it's not workable, and it's certainly not what people want. And I believe that this anniversary with Pearl Harbor is, is, is a reminder of where we are today, frankly. I can't disagree with any part of that. Jay, do the fact that it is December the 7th, 1941, and this week we lost a very decorated hero of valor from World War II who forever tried to permeate that establishment. Would the world be different? Would the United States be different if Bob Dole had ever been elected to a national office as he wanted? Yeah, it would have, probably, right? I mean, um, so Bob Dole obviously had... People that loved him, loved him, and, and there is this, there's this kind of a small group of people that just hated him. The interesting thing about Bob Dole was that um, there's a uh, uh, there's some a story that I was told by somebody that was uh, one of those people that was in direct opposition to all of the policies he was supporting at the time, and they tried to actually really put the hammer on him and pressure him, and said uh, they caught him just as got off of an airplane at a local airport there and said, hey, you know, if you vote for this farm bill and this other piece of legislation, we'll never vote for you again. None of us, all these people standing here will never vote for you. The response was, fine. I don't want your... It's okay. Right? And it, wow. and, it, and the thought to tell them was, I'm going to do what is, I know the right thing. You've, been, you've kind of bought a bill of goods. And I'm going to do the very best I can to do the right thing at the right time, you know, and and to support the direction that we're headed. And I, it is sad when you lose those kinds of people. Late, late in life, Bob became a little more 
moderate right and some of the comments that he made a lot of people do um, but when you look at his heyday he was, was that stalwart uh, you know he was the he was the guy that, that made us come up with the phrase that, that they spray for Democrats and liberals in Kansas you know uh, and so they, they didn't seem to be in right? and uh, we lose bar from the United States Senate and the Kansas political mission took a big step on the conservative side they started trying to placate he was always one of those forces that you go yeah Kansas City Kansas and, Park and all those places are important I do get it but this is what makes Kansas tick is going to be agriculture, livestock, uh, resources, and they lost sight and of the that, military, right? And today they think about over, yeah, the military, and they lost they lost sight of it, and uh, lo and behold, military bases start disappearing, um, et cetera. It, well, it's Kansas, Kansas right? has not been the same since, but at some point, probably Bob Dole inspired those liberals to find a way to. The same thing we were talking about earlier, even though it wasn't redistricting, redistricting, um, really amp up their effort because of Bob Dole. I, I think he was one very influential individual. Yeah. yeah, I do too. I, I don't, I don't really. I mean, you never know how to get in the White House, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's honestly and truly. Uh, I watched what happened during the Bush administration, for example. And about halfway through the first term, uh, just decided to go softer on on a bunch. And we had six years of a, a moderate in the White House. There's not really a lot of ways to say it other than that. Maybe it was because they were trying to et cetera. But I, I walked from the end of the Bush administration, even though I had a, a lot of friends there. I was a part of that. That, that infrastructure at one point, um, I'm pretty pretty disappointed in them. And then you turn right around, and and so let's be honest, phase right. Obama was supposed to to rise of the tides, etc. He turned out to be one of the actually one of the most inept presidents that we've ever had. Actually, just getting his getting his actual agenda done. An agenda got done, but it wasn't. We passed Obamacare. It was nothing like what he, he sent to the Hill. Um, right. That was right. Nancy Pelosi uh, and Harry Reid at the time, right? Uh, the mafia. They took advantage of him. Literally, the mafia yeah. was speaking. Roll out. We'll be back in the yeah. last segment after this. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Loose alongside Andrew Henderson sitting in a downpour in the UK. Jay Truett yep. just sitting. Mm. Uh, <laughs> do you think that Dr. Nathan Bryan would like us to get more information about something Andrew and I talked about earlier today, and that was building your immune system, building your overall health. You must have the proper level of nitric oxide to get that done. I take a supplement every single day, and I suggest you do the same. It's E-O-N-O-2-U.com, N-O-2-U.com. Put Trent in the coupon code, and you pay no shipping. It's free shipping and a 10% discount. All right, so, uh, Andrew, where do we go from here? 
Well, let's talk about the future, Trent, because um, uh, last night, as you know, I got quite excited. I think I texted you when I was, should have been asleep, and you were quite surprised. And um, we hear that uh, the, the, uh, somebody that you know pretty well has resigned from Congress yesterday in order to become the chief executive officer of, of uh, Truth Social, um, which hopefully is going to break away from big tech um, control, where the most profound legacy of this has to be that people from both sides of the divide can say whatever they want freely without being obviously rude or, or threatening and allow free speech back into the domain of social media. And I, you know, I hear us all talk about liberals or um, uh, communists, uh, totalitarianists, all, all these different views on life. One thing that's very important is everybody should be allowed to put their view and allow that debate to be civilised and allow people to make their own mind up about the truth. That's something that we've lost massively, certainly in the last 10 years, maybe more. And I was thinking... In the week that Devin Nunes, who obviously, he's the guy that, that blew open the Russian um, dossier, the fake uh, uh, impeachment of uh, President Trump the first time. It's probably quite ironic that he becomes the person to lead us out back to freedom of speech. And I'm, I'm hoping that's going to be a very good appointment. So that was the first I was going to ask you. What's your view? It, do you think Dan's the man to be able to achieve a free, a free speech platform? Trent, what's your thought on that? Oh, absolutely. I I think Devin Nunes can accomplish anything that he wants. He's he's first a patriot and American. He recognizes the importance of the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and whatever he does will protect those rights for citizens. I'm very humored because after I got home last night when you called me, I did a search and I read some of the major media outlets and they were talking about this, but every one of them had some level of criticism that well, he's not qualified to be the CEO of a tech company. I'm like, what does it take to be qualified? If you if you believe in the Constitution, you believe in free speech, you run the company as you see fit. What, 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 why? I guess they couldn't find yeah. anything else to be negative about. But I'm 100% confident that he'll make that work fantastic. I will also tell you, because he and I had a pretty significant discussion six weeks ago, about this Trump social media platform, that he was significantly concerned that it was not going to get off the ground and be what it could be. And he asked me, and I said, no, I have no faith in Trump making it happen. So clearly, he literally took that to heart and went and found a way to make it happen. He's going to make it happen now. Now I think it'll work. Well, it's got a, it's got a, it's got a, a billion dollars to spend. Sorry, go on, Jay. Yeah. Jay I, would, I would say, Trent, yeah, no, I would just I uh, I don't think he's quite qualified uh, based on the current standard. I mean, number one, he completed college. Um, so, <laughs> uh, and number two, he's he's not hot while, while he's starting his job. Right, he doesn't belong to the smoke and weed in the in the college dorms instead of going to classroom. And uh, number two, he's going to care about things 
like the Constitution, uh, which silly me. Um, um, how how can that, that actually? And he might even care about actually being profitable at some point. Which most of them, if you think about 12 years not being profitable, uh, losing other people's money and still paying themselves the whole time. So, but that was established by most modern social media companies. Qualified to be the CEO. I stand corrected. Well, I, I didn't yeah. know what to expect there. That was a brilliant answer. I have to say that was He's a brilliant answer. He's smart. Uh, <laughs> and and I, I too, uh, uh, because I've had, I know that Frank's done quite a bit of work with uh, Devon, and I've seen the presentations that Devon has made with Trent. And uh, I too have a lot of confidence in this. And um, it's been reported here in the UK, positively, by the most influential news program that we have today, which is GB News, which is now fronted by Nigel Farage. And he is raking up the, um, the viewers in the UK. So there is something very positive happening here. Um, and I, and I'm, I, I, you know, as people that watch uh, across the pond know, last Friday I was in a place I didn't want to be. But I've suddenly realized that you know, things are moving afoot here, moving forward fairly positively. And um, that's a very positive so, move. Um, and I'm, I'm very, very confident that, that that could be a very serious um, addition to our media, especially when I hear last night, Trent, that um, they've already done a deal with Rumble. Did you know that? That's been announced too. So, no, I did not. But... Um I, I'm my real quiz, inquisitive side is saying I can't wait to see what happens with the current social media platforms because there's going to be a change. They're going to do one of two Big things. Change. They're either going to go ratchet up their censorship so that nobody who thinks like the three of us has a platform, or they're going to say, you know what? We're subject to losing everything. We better relax our standards and let more people play, or they're going to all be over there. I don't know which way it'll go, but it'll go one of those two ways. Well, I, if that, yesterday's kind of anything to go by. Uh, there may be slightly a third option, right? Okay. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I've, go I've ahead, said too much, Karen. Oh, uh, I, no, I just I had think a, it could I, be a little bit of a third option. What's that? The third, the third option is that we watch, uh, we watch Facebook turn completely different. Um, and and I do think that's the the other day that that was the announcement that they was that they're just out of a bunch of. Uh, a bunch of this. They probably won't be the type of platform that a lot of people um, would, uh, would actually use for like political discourse. Now that they've they won their first few battles, I think their their real goal is to get, get us to stop thinking about uh, politics because we can't, you can't self-educate yourself if there's no one to have a, a discourse with. You only become as smart as you already are. Right, and you get a chance to hone your arguments. You don't get a chance to to, uh, to run ads on the platform. 
I think their intent is now to drive pure to the money, and it'll be something like a PlayStation on steroids um, that people can walk around in. Um, have, uh, some percentage of the world is going to have on Oculus goggles 24 hours a day, and so uh, Twitter has already changed their their leadership structure. Um, and Jack Dorsey uh, is going to trim his beard, step down, right? And he's headed off to a different direction. Um, and I think they're going to probably chase, if you look at the way the street folks look at that, they think that, that this doesn't work well for them. Completely disappeared. That leaves Bezos at the title. And in your earlier program, you were, you, you know, you got mm-hmm. across the pond, you guys were talking about. Um, some of the things that Amazon is uh, is funding directly and indirect, their ownership team are, are funding, and what Google are doing, I think they're the they're the ones that that are going to be the opposition for us still once again in the future. I think, uh, and again, I don't think these guys are running for fight. I think they believe they won it, and that, that it's over. And the, so, in that case, the censorship. Obviously, I think will go up enormously on on Facebook, and you'll have to be politically correct when you walk around in the metaverse. Um, uh, your, your avatar will need to be gender neutral unless you've been approved by whatever community that you're in, etc. And you probably can't even be white, black, or brown to be blue or yellow, orange, something color rainbow that doesn't represent a race. Yeah, and so. We, I mean, we listen. We went from stupid and from ignorant. You can't really, you almost can't come back from that. I mean, you can be stupid and smart again, but once you've already become ignorant, you're just stuck. Can I just give a, a, a slight opposing view to that? Because, that. Um, because I, I, I would say yeah, that um, if you look at mainstream media at the moment in the USA, um, and I'm going to say NBC and CNN and look at what's happened with Mr. Kumu this week and uh, what uh, all the, you know, they now realize people are not what they expected them to be. Their, viewer, their, their viewing levels are at an all-time low. So when you talk the way you've just talked about Facebook and, and Twitter, for example, um, they are potentially moving away from not just 80% of their potential customers, maybe 90%, because that's what's happened to mainstream TV networks. They have lost, in some cases, 90% of their viewers. Now, to me, when you look at the most popular, I I believe I'm right about this, I don't know the exact figures, but I think the most popular news show in the whole of the USA right this moment is Steve Bannon's War Room. That's online. It's even getting more viewers than uh, the, the two um, Newsmax and, and, and Fox. I, I, I'm beginning to think that that model you've just described there isn't going to pay um, at all. And that's why the government have been asked to sponsor those, uh, those news programs, uh, Jay. So I'm not quite sure that that model of um, suppressing the conservative voice will pay because there won't be enough people on the platform. Well, they already have government speak. It's called National Public Radio and Public Television. And 
that's all they have been is censorship and telling only the government side of the story. And that'll do it. What are you saying? Silence brings about the close. Sorry, Jay. Carry that over till next week. We've successfully journeyed down the road connecting rural and urban America. All three of us remind you that all roads do lead to a rural route.